This week's episode features reselling news from Amazon, eBay, Etsy, and more. What is up, Galaxians? Welcome to episode number 185 of the Galaxy CD's Rocks and Flips Reseller Talk podcast. My name is Ryan, and I am a full-time reseller, part-time YouTuber, and podcaster working out of my home here in the greater Cincinnati area, and this channel is all about the flip life. We are uh, coming to you kind of at the tail end of the Black Friday weekend. I hope yours has been outstanding. We've got a a quick news update on that in the news section, how things have been going. Uh, For me, with my business, I've talked about this for the last couple of years. It's normally not a huge weekend for me. It's been okay, but it has not certainly been anything fantastic. Uh, And additionally, you can probably hear I am still not in the best of voice going on two weeks now. Still dealing with a little bit of uh, issues with the uh, with the old pipes, so uh, please bear with me, but I did want to bring you some reselling news, and with that all out of the way, let's just get stuck in to said reselling news. News updates. We're going to start over on Amazon, where uh, there's an article on Marketplace Pulse that says fulfillment by Amazon Chokehold. Amazon has tied selling on its Amazon Fulfillment Service, FBA, but it is now chaotically restricting how much space it allocates to sellers while at the same time raising fees. Those two things do kind of go hand in hand as we'll discuss as we kind of go through this. But over the past month, many sellers have reported that Amazon has significantly reduced their FBA storage limit. With the space restricted, they are unable to send an inventory and without inventory, of course, in FBA, they lose sales that they believe they could have had. They cannot use 3PL warehouses since Amazon, of course, ranks FBA sellers higher. On the surface, FBA looks like it should be a virtually infinite fulfillment network promising to scale with the seller, not unlike Amazon's cloud hosting service, AWS. But sellers cannot always pay for more FBA capacity when they want it. Amazon Amazon alone decides how much they can get. One seller says uh, FBA has changed from a service sellers can rely on to a service they hope Amazon will allow them to use. A big source of frustration for sellers is the sporadic and seemingly random changes to storage limits followed by poor communication. There have been multiple restrictions like that over the past two years, but the biggest problem is the artificial ceiling that this places, of course, on a seller's revenue. One seller says my company paid Amazon roughly $4 million in the last 12 months, and we've been selling on Amazon for over a decade. I have no idea what they're doing right now, and neither do they, wrote Molson Hart, the CEO of Viahart, who is an educational toy seller. The problem, he says, is that we cannot send stock into Amazon. If we can't send stock in, you can't buy it with Prime, and that's a problem. They're limiting what we can send in. Their limit is 4,270 units, and they say that may, may seem like a lot, But our forecasts, which are based on 10 years of experience in the educational toy industry, say that they will sell over 243,000 units between now and Christmas. So they're able to send in a, a very small percentage in any one given shipment. And given the processing time delays that can occur between when a seller sends items into FBA and when those items are actually available to be purchased on the site, uh, this obviously presents particularly in fourth quarter, a major potential problem for this seller and sellers like him. 
Amazon has blamed overstock sellers for the increase. This year, we saw some sellers use more of our storage than we expected or believe was needed to serve customers well, and that has constrained how much product from other sellers could be sent into FBA. Uh, they say that overstock issues are rampant this year. So we went from a situation where there was too much inventory to not enough inventory to now, once again, <laughs> uh, entirely too much inventory. So Amazon continues to struggle with this. They announced, uh, some FBA fee structure changes, partly due to this, which they hope will restrict some sellers from sending in entirely too much inventory. Amazon shakes up selling fees for 20 23, how it breaks down. This article is over on e-commerce bytes. As always, I will link to these in the show notes and the video description below. As we've talked about previously, nearly 60% of items sold on Amazon come from third-party sellers, but this article notes it's going to cost more for sellers to store their items in Amazon fulfillment centers beginning in January. All sellers pay referral fees, a percentage of the total price, shipping costs, and any gift wrapping charges, and those fees are not changing come January, but sellers who use FBA fulfillment will see some significant increases. The FBA outbound fee rates will increase by 22 cents on average. This is more to the point of the previous article that we just spoke about. Peak monthly storage fees will rise by 20 cents per cubic foot for its non-sortable network. Off-peak storage will rise by between three to four cents per cubic foot. A new storage utilization surcharge will apply to sellers who store a high cube of inventory relative to the cube of their recent weekly sales. So this goes into effect on April 1st of next year. And essentially what it means is if you have more inventory in there than Amazon thinks you should have based on your sales history, they're going to hit you with a surcharge. These next two affect particularly kind of long tail sellers and is one of the reasons that FBA has become kind of less and less applicable for some booksellers, particularly someone like myself. I don't use it, but I have a lot of long tail stuff that may sit in my inventory for a couple of years before it finds the right buyer. That is no longer really going to be a good option on FBA. They're going to increase the surcharges applied to inventory stored between 271 and 365 days. And they're going to introduce an aged inventory surcharge on inventory stored between 180 and 270 days, but it will exclude a few product categories, including apparel, shoes, bags, jewelry, and watches. That also goes into effect on April 15th. They're also nearly doubling the cost of removing items from Amazon fulfillment centers. For example, to remove a two pound standard size item, from one of their fulfillment centers currently costs $1.14 in January. That cost is going to jump to $2.20 to remove or dispose of the item. Apparel sellers, they note, also got bad news as if all of that wasn't enough. They're going to begin applying dimensional weight pricing and calculating shipping weight for stand for large standard size products beginning on February 16th of 2023. So every month <laughs> uh, at the beginning of the year, January, February, and March, there are changes coming on Amazon FBA. If you are a seller there, uh, keep an eye on Seller Central for these updates, but there is a lot of stuff going on. They're also making an update, uh, they note, uh, as a bright spot, they are expanding their small and light program for new products that measure 18 by 14 by 8 inches or less and weigh less 3 pounds or less. Currently, the program is limited to items priced up to $10. On January 17th, that will open up to items priced up to $12. So if you've got cheap items that fit in that category, 
you'll now be able to take advantage of that program. They're also lowering some other fees for some FBA new selection program. Amazon has explained the reason for these changes. This year, we saw some sellers use more of our storage than we expected or believe was needed to serve customers well, and that constrained how much product from other sellers could be sent into FBA. Hey, that was in the last article as well. They're really serious about this. (laughs) Uh, They've got too much stuff that is not selling quickly enough, and Amazon is all about the fast nickel. They want product to churn and burn through their warehouses. They don't make any money. Well, they do because they're raising all these fees, but their their primary source of income is selling these and cashing those referral fees, not charging for inventory storage in their warehouses. They want stuff cycled through there, and this is their effort, uh, again, on the backs of their 60% of their business on their third-party sellers to make that happen. So if you're an Amazon FBA seller, let me know what you think of all this. Uh, This information went out to FBA sellers a couple of weeks ago, but because I missed last week's uh, episode, we're a little behind in getting this news out to you. But uh, if you're an FBA seller, please let me know in the comments what you think of all that. Or if you're listening to the pod, you can, as always, email me, galaxycds at gmail.com. eBay. Uh, These online places... Uh, everything old is new again. eBay is going to open a store in New York City for buying and selling pre-owned luxury goods. This goes into kind of two things. Their quest to really hone in on that luxury goods kind of pre-sale or pre-owned market, rather. And, of course, their vertical strategy where they want to maximize their kind of high-end buyer sell-through. So they're opening a store in New York City that will allow... uh, owners of these types of items to come in and get appraisals on their items and offer them up for sale. Despite starting its life solely in the digital realm, eBay has continuously been expanding its operations into the real world by hosting a number of in-person events and activations that allow its community-based platform to transcend its virtual roots. The rise of e-commerce and peer-to-peer platforms such as eBay have made it incredibly easy for both individuals and companies to buy and sell items in a highly efficient manner. However, when it comes to high-value goods such as luxury watches, jewelry, or designer handbags, some individuals still have reservations about completely removing the in-person aspect of the buying and selling process. eBay's latest expanse into the real world comes in the form of an eBay luxury exchange, which is a physical store located in New York City's Diamond District that accepts pre-owned luxury goods as currency and allows individuals to trade in their unwanted high-value items and walk out of the store with something new that catches their eye. So it doesn't sound like eBay is actually going to buy merchandise. Uh, It's kind of for for an in-store credit kind of deal. As watch enthusiasts, it's always important to first and foremost buy what you like. However, it is undeniable that certain luxury timepieces can be worth significant sums of money, and it's also natural for people's tastes to change over time. According to the rise of resale luxury as currency, a report from BOF Insights, uh, the business of fashion, that was conducted in partnership with eBay, more than half of the shoppers who were surveyed in the U.S. said they view their luxury goods as a form of currency and would be open to exchanging them for other items. That is really interesting to me. I'm not in a position where I own any luxury items. Uh, based on the my recent trip to the grocery store, food is a <laughs> uh, luxury item. Holy cow, man. Uh, the total aside, but the, the cereal that I normally buy I used to be able to get for $2.39 a box. It is now $4.29 a box. That's a huge, huge jump. Uh, it's just crazy out there. My, 
it's just me and Josie the cat, as I've talked about here numerous times. And my normal grocery shopping bill, I only go about once a month, has jumped from about $160 to about $240 a month, uh, which is, for me, puts it in the luxury category. (laughs) Uh, Continuing, additionally, approximately 80% of the surveyed shoppers stated that they believe the value of certain luxury goods is less volatile than other investment assets that they own. So the stock market, Bitcoin, those sorts of things, which are by their nature very volatile. They feel like that kind of the old gold standard that these luxury goods hold their value and are more consistent in their value. So this is a really interesting thing. Uh, If you're in New York City, be sure to stop by and check this thing out. I don't know how big, I don't think this article says how big the store is. I assume it's not a very large store, but uh, eBay opening a retail store of sorts. They are also running a marketing campaign for the fourth quarter. eBay runs home of small business marketing campaign. eBay's new general manager of the U.S. marketplace, Adam Ireland, announced eBay is running a campaign this season to celebrate sellers. To further support your entrepreneurial creativity and drive this season, we're running a seller-centric campaign entitled Home of Small Business Always. To make it clear that every day is a celebration of sellers and small businesses on eBay. Across social media channels and on the site, we're rolling out a steady drumbeat of unique and inspirational seller stories designed to drive attention to your incredible inventory and accomplishments. We've curated them all in one place, and I hope you will visit ebay.com slash always and check it out. I have not done so yet. Uh, There is a link in this article that you can go do that if you would like to look at that. They have also published a list of what they call the most wanted gifts in a day before Thanksgiving post, calling it a curated look at the trend-setting, sought-after, and memorable selection that sellers are providing to eBay's millions of shoppers this holiday season. They talk about a coffee maker, a Magic Johnson figurine, Pokemon trading cards. They also have sections of gifts under 100, gifts under 500, gifts under two grand, gamer gifts, trendsetter gifts, and so on. So a pretty extensive list, and this kind of goes in line with... The other platforms, Poshmark and Etsy, running pretty extensive media campaigns highlighting their sellers for the fourth quarter. So kudos to eBay for jumping on that bandwagon. Speaking of Black Friday, uh, Black Friday online sales topped $9 billion, which is a new record. Consumers spent a record $9.12 billion online shopping during Black Friday this year. According to Adobe, overall online black sales for Friday were up 2.3% year over year. Buy now, pay later. Payments increased by 78% compared with the past week. Beginning in November, uh, beginning on November 19th, as consumers continue to grapple with high prices and inflation, which is what I just talked about. <laughs> uh, so you got a lot of people who are. Again, we're getting into that situation where we could be running up another little bit of a credit bubble. People are putting all of this stuff on their credit cards. I personally know some people that are doing that right now and taking advantage of things like 18 months, no interest and that sort of thing in order to finance their holiday shopping. Hopefully that does not come back to bite uh, the economy at large. Uh, but this article, again, consumers spend a record $9.12 billion online during Black Friday shopping. Overall online sales for the day of thanks- day after Thanksgiving were up that 2.3%, and electronics were the major contributor. Online sales in that category surged 221% over an average day in October. Toys, of course, were another big category, up 285%, and exercise equipment was up 218%. 
I didn't hear anything about books there. Ah, <laughs> uh, oh well. Um, many consumers embrace flexible payment plans on Black Friday as they continue to grapple with, again, the high prices and inflation. We'll see how that, that all shakes out. They also broke a record for mobile orders as 48% of online sales were made on smartphones, which was an increase of 44%. That is one of the reasons I believe that you've seen this big push from Etsy in particular to drive people to their mobile because that is becoming an increasingly important part of the online sales marketplace. So uh, the record-breaking spending, they note, comes on the heels of a strong day of Thanksgiving shopping in which consumers shelled out an all-time high of $5.29 billion online, which was up 2.9%. So for those two days combined online, we're, what was that, 14, almost $15 billion. So big, big numbers for the beginning of the Black Friday into Cyber Monday weekend. We talked a little bit uh, about eBay's vertical strategy and their quest to kind of own that luxury market. Etsy is now announcing that they are going to also begin to adopt a vertical strategy starting next year. They say they are now big enough that they can take on this strategy, according to CEO Josh Silverman. A vertical strategy means treating certain types of products differently as opposed to all categories having the same features policies and level of marketing attention and you've seen that of course with ebay and their big push with the authenticity guarantee for sneakers luxury watches and that sort of thing where they are really focusing on those key categories etsy apparently is now going to follow that same approach this revelation came during a wall street presentation on monday uh, during the second annual needham consumer tech e-commerce virtual conference that's a mouthful. Also in attendance was Etsy Chief Financial Officer Rachel Glazer, and both executives fielded questions during the event. Silverman said the following about the vertical approach coming next year. We still have been working almost exclusively on horizontal capabilities, meaning we launched something that works for everything all across Etsy. We are beginning as we look into 2023 to think more seriously about investing in some vertical experiences. So it sounds like they don't have anything specific in mind just yet, but they are moving in that direction. Like, what are some things, he said, that you need when you're buying home furnishings that are specific to the category of home furnishings? And I think we'll find there are some areas where building category-specific features are going to be valuable. And we're now big enough. We've had so much opportunity in these horizontals that it's hard to prioritize anything for a vertical, but home furnishings alone is billions of dollars of sales on Etsy right now. So just making home furnishings better starts to be worth investments in verticals. So that's their strategy. It's a way for them to maximize the income and profit potential in a particular category that is already generating big numbers for them. So hard to fault them for trying to go in that direction. Uh, they go on to talk about some technical things, and then they mention uh, how eBay, again, has taken that approach for several years in those focus categories that we talked about. So one obvious reason for marketplaces to prioritize certain categories over others is in the hope of generating sales of those higher price goods. Silverman describes Etsy's cushion to couch approach in 2019. As they wrote at the time, should Etsy give more weight to lower priced goods, the cushion, since that would boost conversion rates, or should it give more weight to higher priced goods, the couch, since that would boost overall gross sales. Silverman's point was that the company should be strategic about what factors go into the search algorithm. The article also notes there are more sellers, of course, selling lower priced goods, 
than higher priced goods, and they enable marketplaces to offer the broad selection of goods that need they need to attract shoppers to the site. I've watched a lot of YouTube videos over the last month or so, specifically about Etsy, where there's a lot of advice about making sure that you have a broad selection of items in the $10 to $40 price range. So that's that kind of the cushion, if you will, the low priced stuff where most of the buying actually takes place on probably eBay and Etsy and most of these marketplaces. I would imagine under $50 is pretty, pretty powerful in all of those marketplaces, but there is huge profit opportunity in the higher price goods. And all of these platforms are now searching for a way to capitalize on it. Last thing, uh, Mercari sent me multiple notifications about this during the week, but didn't really explain anything. You got the little notification and you clicked on it and it just took you to a listing page wanting you to list more items, which was weird. They didn't explain what they were doing. But Mercari has launched bundle offers to try to boost their order size. So this is obviously another approach and it's something they probably should have done a long time ago. They launched a new feature this week called Bundle Offers. It's pitched as helpful but for shoppers, but sellers could also benefit as well. With these bundle offers, buyers can send an offer on multiple items from a single seller. Just add multiple items from the same seller to your cart. Then in your cart, select Bundle Items and Make Offer and input your price offer. The seller has 24 hours to accept, decline, or counter. And the minimum offer amount, which this is good, is 75% of the combined listings prices. Buyers can add up to 10 items in a single bundle offer with a max price of $2,000. Macari pitched this as a way for uh, shoppers to save money by saving money on shipping because the seller can ship all the items together in a single package with a Macari prepaid label. You can spend less on shipping. Why Macari still in 2022 does not offer sellers a combined shipping option is an absolute mystery to me. I don't understand. <laughs> uh, I had an instance this week after this was announced. I had a, a buyer who bought two items from me. They did not make an offer. They did not try to do this bundle thing. They just bought two separate items, which I had to send out in two separate packages. You could send them out in one package and hope that the buyer actually rates you on both items. But my experience has been that in many cases, that is not what happens. And then you've got to fight with Mercari to get the second item paid. It's just not worth the hassle. So uh, if you're listening, Mercari, you really need to get with the times and offer a combined shipping option for sellers. Uh, no need to wait for a custom listing, they point out, with the back and forth with the seller where you would take those multiple items and bundle them yourself manually into a new listing. This, they say, should take care of it. They say to up. As, you're, as a seller, update your descriptions. If you've got a bunch of similar items listed, include a line in your description that lets shoppers know that you've got related items. Encourage them to create a bundle. Uh, I suppose that would be something that you could do, but I feel like that's something that Mercari should really be promoting, not you as a seller. I'm not going back and editing 6,000 listings. <laughs> uh, asking people to make bundles, uh, that's... It's, it should be a prominent, visible option from Mercari that people can do that. But again, I'm editorializing the news here, which probably is dangerous. Uh, list bundle-friendly items and lots of them. Mercari is all about listing, listing, listing. They ran the promotion a couple of months ago where you got a coupon. They did it again in certain categories last month. If you listed so many items, you got a, a twenty up to a $20 off coupon. So they are really pushing to have 
items added to the site. Uh, think gift gifting, they say, because shoppers can save on combined shipping. Bundles can be great for lower priced items, too. Now's the time to last list last year's scarves, cute hair accessories, and ex- inexpensive toys that make perfect presents. They note, again, interestingly, that this feature is only available through Mercari Mobile. Uh, it's not available on the web version. So another push towards mobile, which is really interesting. So uh, again, let me know what you thought of any of this news. You can, again, leave a comment if you're watching on YouTube, or as always, you can email me at galaxycds at gmail.com. If you got anything useful out of this particular portion, hey, do me a favor. If you're watching on YouTube, smack that thumbs up button. If you're not currently a follower of the show or a subscriber on YouTube, consider doing that as well. And now let's get into this what sold. Interestingly, uh, it's a fascinating statistic, and this is really off the subject. This is more YouTube-oriented, but I I find that my average view duration is about 52 to 55% on these videos, which is about the break point where the news ends and the what sold begin. I You can't tell. I don't dive deep enough into the stats to see if people are watching the second half or the first half, but it's always, it doesn't matter if this episode is an hour long or 10 minutes long. 52% 52% is about all any of you are watching or on the podcast side, it's much, much longer. People are consuming almost the entire podcast. Uh, if they're listening to it on Spotify or Apple podcasts or wherever they're listening, but on YouTube, it seems to be about 50 odd percent. So, uh, if you made it this far and you're still with me, Hey, thanks. <laughs> uh, this will be, or catching up on a couple of weeks worth of stuff here. Uh, I'm not going to spend a ton of time on each of these individual items. I'm going to kind of blow through this because my voice is going once again. But this first item is a book from the big lot. I think there's a lot of stuff from that lot again this week. Faden Footprints, Poetic Wit and Wisdom from the Old West. First edition hardcover with its dust jacket from 1993. This was signed by the author. I had this listed for $24.99 plus shipping. I received an offer of $20. I own it for less than a nickel, so I took that offer and shipped this thing out. Another book. I've had this for quite some time. I've had a lot of watchers on it, and nobody wanted to pull the trigger. The Hornaday Handbook of Cartridge Reloading, 5th edition, volume 2, Ballistics Tables from 2000. This was a hardcover book. I had it listed at $39.99 or best offer. I've had it long enough that it's in my current 35% off offer, which made it $25.99. I had watchers after watchers after watchers that I sent out my normal 15% off offer. And finally, somebody snapped this thing up for $22.09. I picked this up at a garage sale, man, probably two years ago for a dollar. For sale over on Etsy. It has been. I participated in Etsy's kind of marketing program for... It started before Black Friday and it runs through the end of the month where you, if you offered 20% off... You would be promoted in their search and all that kind of stuff. So I went ahead and participated in that, and it has been terrific. I've given away a lot of discounts, but I have sold probably three or four times the normal amount of transactions that I would have in the same time frame over on Etsy. So it was definitely worth doing overall. This first item, Principles of Chemistry, a reference book of chemistry, a combined edition. This was So this was two different books combined into one that came out in 1949. It was a hardcover pretty much a textbook. I had it listed for $29.99. 
and it sold in that 20% off offer. So $23.99 plus shipping for this book. Again, out of the big lot, cost of goods sold less than a nickel. Uh, this was an interesting one. The Organist Sketchbook, a new collection of instrumentals for pipe or reed organs. This was from 1895. It was, uh, it appeared to be missing its cover. It had what appeared to be a title page. It was taped up. It was in really rough condition, but it's 130, almost 130 years old. Another item that sold on Etsy. Same deal. It was $29.99 with the 20% off. It sold for $23.99 plus shipping. This was an item also from that lot. So again, a cost of goods sold less than a nickel. Nice old set of books. I picked this up at an estate sale. I own these books for about a dollar a piece. This was uh, The Works of Nathaniel Hawthorne, Volumes 1, 2, and 3. It was an illustrated hardcover set from Collier from the early 1900s. Uh, same thing, $29.99 minus the 20% off, so $23.99 for this set of books. Pretty nice sale if you're into the old classics. Back over to eBay. This was a local book, a local independent publication, Roots by the River, Marcus Miller, The History of Old German Baptists in Miami County, Ohio. There were almost none of these listed. Uh, again, it's a very unusual piece. It was locally printed and published. So I listed it for $29.99 or best offer. Received an offer pretty quickly from someone in the Miami Valley area for $24. This was from the big lot of less than a nickel cost of goods sold. So I took that and shipped this thing on its way. Another thing that was part of that big lot, a bunch of old military manuals, uh, the Bureau of Naval Personnel, and I forget what the other one was, but there were probably 15 or 20 of these things. They're in relatively poor condition. They were obviously used pretty extensively by whoever this person was in the military. This one was a U.S. Navy training course called Airman. Uh, NavPERS 10307.C. This was from 1970. Uh, there were multiple editions. Illustrated paperback, pretty worn. The cover had some staining. The pages were stained. It was in pretty rough condition, but it still brought $24.99 plus customer paid shipping. I've got, like I said, a whole bunch of these all listed kind of in that $15 to $30 price range. Another book, this one from 1946, I Chose Freedom, the Personal and Political Life of uh, Soviet Official Victor Kravchenko. I have two copies of this, one with its dust jacket, which is the one that sold on eBay for $24.99 plus shipping. Uh, again, from the big lot, so cost of goods sold less than a nickel. I also have a copy of this without its dust jacket that I believe I listed at $19.99. So I potentially could have asked for a little more, I guess, for this one with the dust cover. But uh, given the cost of goods sold, I'm just trying to get these things flipped as fast as I can because I'm tired of looking at them in my storage unit. <laughs> Uh, another book also from that lot. This one sold over on Mercari, Carl Ben Eilson, Young Alaskan Pilot. This was from a series of books called The Childhood of Famous Americans. It was a hardcover with its dust jacket published back in 1960. It was a library edition, so it had the heavier cover. Really interesting piece. This thing sold for $25 with free shipping over on Mercari. This is an item I have had forever. I don't I can't even remember where it came from, why I have it. A vintage traditional tartan plaid cummerbund and bow tie set. It was listed as medium, but it was really, really small. I had somebody that reached out to me some time ago and asked for the dimensions. The cummerbund, I 
I'm not a big guy. My, my waist is like 34 inches. I could not put this thing on. <laughs> it was really, really small. I had it listed for $39.99 plus shipping. It is in my 35% off offering, and somebody finally bought it for $25.99. It, it's been here forever. I probably would not buy something like this again. Uh, like I said, I don't even remember where I got it. I've had it for so long, but uh, $26, and I'm glad this thing is off the shelf. Another book over on eBay, The Ideal Reference Atlas of the World with Historical Maps. This was published by C.S. Hammond way back in 1936. It was a hardcover, really interesting book of old maps from the 1930s. Also from the Big Lot, so another sub-five center that sold for $29.99 plus media mail shipping. Back over to Etsy, a really interesting paperback, Elvis, What Happened? This was published in August of 1977. This was not even a first printing. It was the It was a first edition, but it was the fourth printing. It was written by Red and Sunny West. It was an illustrated paperback. Some of this old Elvis stuff it can be worth pretty ridiculous money. Again, it's a sub five cent cost of goods sold. Sold over on Etsy for $37.99 plus customer paid shipping. So be on the lookout. Not everything Elvis related is worth a ton of money, but some of these old books, especially from those that were published around the time of his death in the kind of mid to late seventies or early eighties can bring some pretty, pretty impressive value. Another book that I've had for quite some time, kind of a historical textbook. I believe it's called Anubian at Saqqara One Settlement and Temple Precinct. This was a hardcover with its dust jacket from 1988. That's another one that I've had for quite some time. I picked this up at an estate sale for 50 cents. I originally had it listed for $59.99 or best offer. It was in my 35% off sale and went for $38.99 with free shipping. That tells you again how long I've had this thing because I haven't been offering free shipping for over a year. Uh, I did not go back, as I talked about at the time, I didn't go back and edit all those older listings and turn them into paid customer shipping. Uh, Maybe that's something I should have considered doing, but I did not. Uh, Let me know what you think. Should I go back and change all those? You can let me know in the comments uh, whether you think it'd be worth my while to go back. And I don't even know how many it would be. Probably a couple thousand listings that still have free shipping on them. Uh, Another book. This was something I picked up at an estate sale as well for 50 cents. NFPA, which is the National Fire Protection Association, I believe. Uh, Yeah. It actually says that in the title if I'd read a little further. (laughs) Uh, Ryan, sometimes. Uh, Life Safety Code Handbook. This was a second edition from 1981. Uh, Hardcover in really, really nice shape. Sold for $39.99 plus customer paid shipping. Audiobook. This was seven cassettes from Nightingale Conant. Jim Rohn, Cultivating an Unshakable Character. Uh, picked this up in an estate sale for a dollar. Sold for forty four ninety nine plus again media mail shipping. Um, some of these old audiobooks on cassette can still bring pretty decent money, especially these kind of old motivational things. I've done pretty well with them. I don't find a ton of them, but when I do, uh, if I can get them for less than a couple of bucks, I usually snap those up. Back over to Etsy, another book that was caught up in the 20% off sale. So again, very productive. Amazons by Cleo Birdwell, um, who is the pseudonym of Don DeLillo. This was from the early 1980s or late 1970s. was a hardcover 
uh, with its dust jacket and NHL satire. It was a novel about the first woman to play in the National Hockey League. I had it listed for $49.99 with the 20% off. It went for $39.99 plus customer paid shipping. Again, cost of goods sold under a nickel. And this is the last item. I guess it's the flip of the week. It's not a $100 item, but it was still pretty cool. Another one from that big lot. Beyond Tomorrow, The Next 50 Years in Space by Dandridge Cole from 1965. It was a really cool illustrated book. He was one of the original kind of futurists of that era. Obviously, 1965 is kind of during the Apollo phase. We hadn't yet made it to the moon, and this guy was conjecturing about, you know, bases on the moon and Mars and all kinds of stuff. Really interesting book with lots of really cool illustrations. If you can find a copy of this with its dust jacket, it's probably worth a hundred bucks or more because uh, there are just not very many of them out there. This one was in really good shape, but did not have its dust jacket. Still sold for fifty nine ninety nine plus customer paid shipping. So that gets us caught up on some of the stuff that sold here at the Galaxy over the last couple of weeks. Again, nothing, nothing huge there, uh, but a lot again of bread and butter items. It's actually been a pretty good couple of weeks here. My as I said at the outset, my kind of Black Friday weekend is never super spectacular. It's busier than normal, but it's not one of those where I do 10 times my normal amount of business. But it's enough to keep me busy, uh, and it's enough to want to cause me to wrap this thing up. Uh, thank you so much, as always, for spending a little bit of your day with me. Uh, it's it's good to be back. I uh, hope everybody had a great Thanksgiving. I hope you have a great holiday season. And uh, hopefully I'm in better voice next week when we do this show again. Until next time, it's time to sell. Thanks, guys. You have been listening to the Galaxy CDs Rocks and Flips Reseller Talk podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in, and we will catch you again next time.